Good morning. How are you this rainy, chilly Sabbath morning? Amen. My week started out pretty good. It got, thank you, sir. It got rather eventful as as the week began to come to an end. <clears throat> I have a uh, nephew in the Tulsa area that uh, was involved in a what do you call it when 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 family fights, domestic situation, and he ended up getting shot three times. He he he's doing okay. He's in the hospital and and. Uh, uh, is expected to uh, survive this issue, but it was a little bit unnerving uh, here at the end of the week. And uh, you know, we we live in a a society where people just don't seem to get it. There's an old saying that you 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 can't waltz through the barnyard without getting a little poop on your shoe. And it seems that people don't get that. I love the Lord because he has heard my supplications, because he has inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. Who wrote that? Psalm, so it must have been David. Was David a perfect man? He started out pretty good. He kind of took a little waltz through the barnyard. And then uh, God saw him through. Several years ago, my kids would say in the olden days, I lived in a little town called Lawton, Oklahoma, where Brother Swoops is from. And that building behind the church, Brother Swoops, is used to be a school. I went to that many, many years ago. And it wasn't very big. There was only maybe a eight or ten of us as students. And at recess, there was three boys, myself, a guy named Russell, and a guy named John. We'd go outside, and there was a basketball hoop up on that telephone pole that's still back there. And we'd play a little game called horse. You've heard that, haven't you? We've all done it. <clears throat> you can't tell it by looking at me, but I was always a pretty good ball player. My friend Russell was, he could get by. But poor John, he had absolutely zero coordination. He didn't, he, he, he just, bless his heart, he just was not going to be an athlete. And he would lose every time. I'd never even get close. And we would do our best. He was our friend, and we'd do our best. Of course, you know, being boys, we'd give him a hard time. But Well, one day we had started the game, and it was John's turn to shoot the ball. And he grabbed the ball up like this. And this ought to tell you that that's not how you shoot a basketball. But he closed his eyes, and he started moving his lips. And my friend Russell and I, we looked at each other and we said, he's praying. And he shot the ball. And it was nothing but net. And to my knowledge, he had never made one before. 
and he never made one after. <clears throat> that was my first experience with answered prayer. Now, I'm, I'm not going to mislead you. We thought it was just coincidence that he made it, but we look back on it now as we get older and we realize that sometimes God steps in when asked into the littlest things. I thought until then, prayer was, God is great, God is good, thank you for this food, amen. Or now I lay me down to sleep. Or the one that never works, God help me to be good. <clears throat> it was several years later before I began to realize how powerful prayer can really be. We moved from Lawton just down the road to Ardmore, moved so I could continue my Christian education. After that, I went on to Ozark Academy. After I got out of the academy, I was at camp meeting and met a young lady there that I'd gone to school with, and six weeks later, we got married. <clears throat> I don't think we said one word to each other the whole time we were in school together. <laughs> but... Um, I think this is our 36th year. I'm not condoning that. Don't ever do that. <laughs> I love my wife dearly. Don't get me wrong. But um, uh, God has intervened many times, to say the least. <clears throat> After we got married, we promptly fell away from the church. We both grew up in the Adventist education system, in Adventist homes, but for whatever reason, we thought that there were other things that were more important than going to church, and so we both actually made a conscious decision that we just didn't feel like we needed to go to church. Wasn't that silly? One day, God tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Rodney, have you had enough yet? He had done that several times, but this time I had had enough. I had waltzed through that barnyard enough. I said, yes, sir. I'm done. I had only been going back to church for just a, a very short time. The same church that we had been going to 18 years previous, knew a lot of the people there. There was no ill will between me and anyone. We just determined that for whatever reason, church just wasn't that important. Some of the people that were there that I knew, they said, we've been praying you would come back. That, that was a little unnerving. I'm not going to lie. Prayer changes things. This morning, obviously, I'm going to be talking about prayer. But before I go too much farther, I need to clarify a few things just to make sure there's no confusion. <clears throat> Most of you know that I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Bible worker. I am uh, the director of Clarion Broadcasting, which is a Christian broadcasting minister, ministry. But the truth of the matter is, is the only reason that I am in charge of that is because of prayer. Have you 
Ever heard of the book called The Prayer of Jabez? If you haven't, that would be a good book to go and get. Jabez prayed that his, his lands would be enlarged. And that was my prayer, but not just, I didn't want lands. I'd already had enough stuff, and that wasn't working out at all. <laughs> I wanted to be able to tell people about Jesus more effectively, bigger. And the only way I knew to do it was through television ministry. And God opened those doors. I am, in fact, by trade, a carpenter, just so you know. I'm a carpenter in recovery. You know about recovery, don't you? Recovery programs are for things like addictions. <clears throat> addictions are detrimental, you know. They're detrimental to not just you, but oftentimes more so to the people who are around you. And while I don't suffer from addictions of drugs or alcohol, I do suffer from the addiction of sin. The reason I'm telling you this is because I'm going to be sharing some things with you. And I don't want you to think that I have a deal with God. Sometimes people think that. Did you know that? Oh, he's the preacher. He's the pastor. He has a deal with God. God will do special things for him. It doesn't work that way. Are you aware of that? It has been said that when you talk to God, it's called prayer. But if God talks to you, it's called schizophrenia. That must be said from somebody who doesn't really believe in prayer. After I had come back to church, <clears throat> it was a, uh, an incredible awakening. And I determined that I wasn't going to leave again because I was going to make what I believe my own. Do you understand what I'm saying? So oftentimes there are people who sit out there, oh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. So, I know a lot of Seventh-day Adventists. I know a lot of Seventh-day Adventists I don't really care for. I'm sorry to say that, but that's just human nature. I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to be what God wanted me to be. I wanted it buried right here. And I didn't ever want to get to a point where I could look at my wife and say, you know, this really isn't working out. I don't think it's any big deal. I started listening to, you know, this was the envy era. I'm not that old. Cassette tapes. <laughs> You're familiar with those little white tapes. It's about so big. I had acquired some, and some friends had given me some, and my mother had given me some, and, and I was just pouring over these tapes and listening to them. And I would be in, I have a shop there by my house, and I'd be in the shop until all hours of the night listening refreshing my memory on the things that I had learned. I wanted it to be mine. And one evening, probably about 9 or 10 o'clock, I'd been listening to a series of tapes, and I needed to change tapes, so I grabbed one. And before I got back to where the tape player was, I got sidetracked for some reason. 
did what I had to do, and then I couldn't find that silly tape. I looked everywhere. Now that shop, my shop's not a small shop. It's probably about twice as big as our sanctuary here. And if you can imagine, it's full of all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> I could not find that tape. And I can't tell you how frustrated that it made me because, and I'm sorry I can't remember the content at this time, but it was something that I really wanted to have solidified in my mind so that it was there and I knew it. And out of frustration, I said, God, what happened to the tape? What did I do with it? And I heard a little voice that said, look up. And I looked up, and I've been all over this shop. I'd lapped this thing at least 10, 15 times looking at every potential place. But there was a ladder, and it was right there on that ladder. He didn't say look up when I was back there in the back of the shop. It was right there when I got back to the ladder. It was sitting right there. And I was grateful, I'm not going to lie. I plugged it in and listened to some more. <clears throat> Some people view prayer the same way they view a Denny's menu and God as a celestial waiter. But prayer is a conversation. It's a conversation with God, just like you might have with your friend or your spouse or anybody that you care for, for that matter. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. And since my relationship began, I find myself talking to God quite frequently. I may see a beautiful flower and just say, thank you, God. You do nice work. Do you do that too? <laughs> I'm inclined that just like we like to be appreciated for effort, our efforts, that God wants to be appreciated for his. God would love it if we made a special time for prayer. That we would see it as such importance, so necessary that we would actually carve out a time in our day that we would spend just with him. You know, Daniel did that. And he didn't give it up for anything, even at the cost of his life. God is wonderful. You can pop in any time. He doesn't mind. I'm on the road a lot. Not quite as much as I once was. <clears throat> Some of my favorite times to spend with God is while I'm driving. Sometimes I listen, and sometimes he listens. But he does listen. Don't ever think otherwise. One Friday afternoon, <clears throat> it was a really bad week. Just to give you an indication of how bad that week was, the, the previous Sunday, my son, that was probably about uh, eight at the time, was kicked in the face by a horse. Just, you can see the imprint. And, and, and the week didn't get a whole lot better after that. He's fine. A big, tall, handsome fella. Um, does well in his education, but he, he's, he's fine. But 
Um, I'm not going to lie, it was a little scary for a while. We didn't know if there was some kind of brain damage or, or you know, it took a few days for things like that to clear up. But uh, on top of that, as a carpenter, I'm self-employed, so you're, you're constantly dealing with the frustrations of being self-employed, which nine times out of ten deal with money. And I don't know about you all, but i got to pay my bills. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to maintain this if you don't have any money, so uh, I'm sure that was probably what it boiled down to. But anyway, I, I like to go to the lake. I, uh, I don't have them now, but at the time I had kayaks. And I loaded up my kayak and I was going to the lake because I find a lot of solitude there, you know. Um, it wasn't an especially great day. It was actually earlier in the afternoon, probably about 4 o'clock, and it was hot and it was muggy, but I just, after that week, I just wanted to get away. As I was going out, I said, God, is there any way that this could just be about me and you? And I just left it at that. And I went out to the little, it's a little lake there on the uh, <clears throat> north side of Ardmore. And I put my kayak in the water and began to paddle around. And as I said, it was kind of hot and muggy, so it wasn't especially fun, just to be honest. And I paddled to the back side of the lake. And as I was turning around, I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to head back. There was a little cloud. It was way off in the east, south, uh, uh, northeast. And it was, it was little. But it was moving pretty fast. It was coming directly toward me. <clears throat> and as it got closer, I could hear the boats on the lake screaming toward the bank. And, and I'm thinking, wow, this, even though it's small, this must be pretty intense. And, and it was because the wind picked up. And I'm thinking, man, I've got to get to the bank. So I started heading back. It was so small, I thought, well, i got enough time to paddle back towards the car and I couldn't I didn't get I didn't get 50 feet and the wind started blowing so hard the waves got so high that the only thing that I could do was paddle back into a little cove and when I say a little cove I'm talking about it couldn't have been more than 15 20 feet wide maybe 30 feet deep and and the banks on either side of it came up 10 or 12 feet and then the rain started and I hate to be wet. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy because I like to kayak. I like to fly fish too, but I can't stand to be wet. But um, this was the most intense, I, don't, I can't call it a storm. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, I will call it a storm. <laughs> I paddled back into this little inlet and I was able to paddle up underneath of a tree and took a life jacket and put it over the top of me. And, and, and you know, it was incredible. I wasn't cold. I wasn't uncomfortable like I usually am when I get wet. And, and the sky opened up with the biggest drops of rain I have ever seen. When it, and, and there was a lot of it. And when it hit the water, it would literally make a little crystal bowl that you could define so intently. It's not like 
it was a splash. I mean, these huge droplets would come up around this rain. And pretty soon, the, the snakes were slithering. And snakes don't usually bother me. Spiders bother me. Snakes don't bother me. And then pretty soon, the fish started jumping. Carp. They were jumping to it. I've never I've seen carp jump, but never like this. They would jump out of the air and literally hang and fall back in. And I thought, wow. Now all I need is a little lightning, and boom! <laughs> I said, okay, God, that might be a bit much. It was big. <laughs> Just for a minute, it was me and God. I could not hear a boat I could not see anything that represented man in any way. One of my favorite things to do is go to the lake and get as far away from anything that represents man. Just for a few minutes, it was me and God. It was incredible. I paddled out of my little cove after the rain stopped. and it, I mean, it was cool and it was wonderful, and I just kind of sat on my kayak in awe of what had just taken place. And when I looked up, my cloud was gone. Did I mention that I'm a recovering sinner? If prayer is a conversation, then it's not too much to it expect a response of some kind. Thank you. The Bible gives three reasons for our prayerful neglect. The first reason, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Pride, I think, is one of the biggest reasons for our spiritual impasse, for our failures. We have to get to that point where we understand that we can't even walk without him holding our hand. When pride interferes with our prayer life, we're sunk. The second reason is found in Matthew. It's chapter 11, 28 through 30. It says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn more of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a sinner's invitation to prayer. But some will believe that, well, I just haven't been very good lately, spiritually that is. I need to wait until I'm better. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, we all have. Let me put that into perspective for you. Have you ever been really, really sick? really really sick my friend jack was sick not too long ago and went to the to the emergency room do you think jack said 
I think I'll wait till I get to feeling a little better before I go. Sometimes that's what we do. We need to be better before we go to God. Don't worry about it. Go to God. Just go to God. A few years ago, I received a phone call from a lady. She was calling me through the TV ministry. I don't remember her name. She started telling me about the things that were going on in her life. She came from a family that, I'm not going to say they were well off, but let's say they were upstanding citizens. Her husband was the son of an Assembly of God pastor. I, I met his mother. She called me also through the TV station, through the ministry. And she was the most delightful person I believe I have ever met. Her husband had passed away. And she called me, I'm inclined to believe, because I would pray with her. And I'd go to her house and we would pray. And, and, and she was just such a delight. She didn't think much of her daughter-in-law, I'll tell you that right up front. But her daughter-in-law had called me. And she started telling me about the things that had been going on in her life. She got involved with meth. And if you know anything about meth, it, it, is, it is Satan's, probably one of his greatest uh, tools, yes. It's one of those things that once you get on it, most people don't get off. Well, she had gotten on it. And it had taken a hold of her life. And she had done some incredibly stupid things and she finally got caught she probably destroyed their finances um, about to destroy their marriage finally she had gotten caught gone to jail hired an attorney the attorney came and got her out of jail and was working to try to do the best he could with her case and she had broken into his house and robbed his house so she could get money to go buy more meth. And so she went back to jail. And it looked like she was going to go to prison. And she's telling me all this, and, and it was the silliest thing because she had to have been the, the happiest woman I ever heard. And then she said, you know, that second time I went to jail, she said I was laying there probably in her own filth, and she said, I cried out to God to, to take away this addiction, and he did. She said, I have no desire for it. I haven't touched it. I have no desire for it whatsoever. Her, her husband was also on the phone, and he confirmed the things that she was saying. They, they, they acknowledged that it was an absolute miracle that, that, that God had answered her plea. God is looking for a reason to reveal himself. The third reason is found in Luke uh, 11 verse 1. It says, and it came to pass as they were praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Is it possible that the reason you don't pray is because you don't know how? Jesus goes on to say, and this time I'm going to read from the book of Matthew, 
After this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, Jesus is not saying that every time you pray, you have to use these words. But wouldn't it be nice if all of our requests could be magically fulfilled simply by repeating the Lord's Prayer? God's not that shallow. Before the economy took a nosedive, I had an opportunity to do a renovation on a hotel on the Riverwalk in San Antonio. It was a large project. It was 315 rooms. It was a building that was 20 plus stories tall. It was a job that I really needed. <laughs> we had 52 working days to get this job done. And this hotel was in operation. And I'm talking to the general manager of this hotel, and he's no fool. At that time, I don't know how it's doing now, but at that time, that hotel, the bottom line, you know what it means when they say the bottom line? That's what's left. That's how much they made. The bottom line was $1 million per month. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, how am I going to tell this man who is no idiot that I don't work seven days a week? Now, I've been doing this for many, many years, and I've heard and probably used all the, the usual taglines and, and lines of malarkey trying to convince somebody of something, but you're not going to do that to this man. <clears throat> He's heard it all, and he's not going to put up with that. But I don't work seven days a week. I'm a Christian now. I take Sabbath off. And I didn't want this to become a religious issue. I just wanted him to know I don't work seven days a week, and don't call me. I will put in more than enough time six days a week. And we're having this conversation, and I'm thinking there is nothing that I can say, nothing that will convince him that I'm the one who should do this project. So I said, I mean, we're coming right down to the very last half a second that I need to make this clear. So I said, Lord, you do it. Boom, the phone rang. Some major catastrophe had happened, and he took off, and he said, I'll see you Monday. Amen. Now, did I say the Lord's Prayer? No. When the disciples, I need to remind you again that I'm still a recovering sinner. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, they wanted to know how to be successful in their prayers. <clears throat> I want to point out that you will find this prayer in both Matthew and Luke. I use um, Matthew because this pr 
prayer is buried in chapters 5, 6, and 7, which really hold the keys to a successful prayer life, but that'll be your afternoon homework to read those chapters. Let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 says, After this manner, therefore pray. He was not telling the disciples to repeat after him. What he was saying was these are the goals for a successful prayer experience. Jesus goes on to say, our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. First, we must acknowledge God in all things. He is the creator. He knows what you need before you do. He knows the number of your hair. He knows what future decisions you will make. He knew you before you were born. That is God. My wife came up to me one day while I was working outside, and I could tell by the way she was walking that something was up because I was a long ways from the driveway, and she was wearing her very nice work clothes, and so she was having to traipse through the yard and the dirt and the grass and the chiggers. And I thought, oh, boy, what's going on? At first I thought, wow, she's, maybe she's lost her job. <laughs> and she says, well, I have some news. And I, I expected that. She, I said, okay, what is it? She said, I'm pregnant. <clears throat> now at that time my son was probably about three years old and we had no, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say desire to have any more kids. We started when we turned about 30, and, and the story is, is I'm not supposed to be able to have kids. So three kids later, we've got kids. <clears throat> but she's 30, 30 years old, and she's in a high-stress job, and <clears throat> she's pregnant. And there's a little something that women get, has to do with blood pressure called preeclampsia. You've heard of that? A lot of times they'll get that in their last trimester. Well, she got it in her first, and it was uh, it was incredibly um, it was difficult to say the least. The doctor, a good friend of ours, he wanted to know if we wanted to do testing. He wanted to know if we wanted to go through with this pregnancy, and and um, my wife said nothing changes. Uh, no reason to do testing because it's not going to make any difference. We're having this baby. He told me later that when she said that, he thought, no, you're not. He didn't think. Matter of fact, he told me I'd have bet the farm that you would never see this child. But you know, when I came back to church, my wife did for a little while, but then she decided that this wasn't for her. So I live in a divided home, and she's not uh, um, hostile toward my faith, but she's just not chosen it to be part of hers. At, at night, when she went to sleep, I would scoot over there by her and put my hands on her belly and just beg God to give me this child. I, I love kids, so I always wanted kids. She's 15 now. She's gorgeous. She's tall. Not a thing wrong with her. Um, 
But I pray now more than I did then. She she is a, a very attractive and very sharp, and uh, I'm grateful that God honored my my uh, request. She's she's a, the delight of my life. Next, God says, Jesus says, "Hallowed be your name." For a successful prayer life, God has to be respected. He has to be honored in all things, and before all men, and at all times. Your kingdom come. Do you live like you're looking forward to something better? Or do you live like you're happy with the way things are now? Now think about this. If you're satisfied with your life now, then you must be satisfied with the circumstances that others are going through. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a cruel world. People are doing horrible things to one another. And if you're so tickled with your situation, that means that you don't care much about other situations. How does, how does that reflect God? Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Your will. Jesus was talking about God. He's saying, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Acknowledging that it will change. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 9 says, Thou shalt not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. That's God's desire. John three seventeen says, For God sent his Son to the world not to condemn it, but the world through him might be saved. Do you have that desire? Not just to know, but to experience God. Do you have that desire? And if so, do you have the desire to share the knowledge that he's given you with others? If he gives you that knowledge, can you be trusted with it? Give us this day our daily bread. Do you trust that God will provide? Or are you one of those that is constantly fighting to get ahead? If you're fighting to get ahead or maybe to just stay even, maybe you need to cut some things loose. Do you have things in your life that are so overwhelming that they take all of your time so that you don't have time to talk to God? How can you have a relationship? Matthew 6, verse 8 says, For your Father knows the things that you need before you ask Him. I was working in the shop one day, and I had a couple of employees at the time. And work was very slow, and I was very concerned. How am I going to pay help and maintain business and 
do the things that take place. Back to taking care of this. <clears throat> a man walked in, and as soon as I saw him, first of all, I knew him. But as soon as I saw him, I knew that God had sent him. He worked with a halfway house there in Ardmore, and he needed some wardrobe cabinets. They were rebuilding part of the facility, and they needed wardrobe cabinets for the uh, trustees that were staying there. And these were no small cabinets. They were quite involved. Uh, he needed about 18 of them. And he wanted me to build him a sample. Well, I barely had the money to build a sample, but I did manage to get through it. He looked at it, and he said, that's just exactly what we want. Of course, he told me what he wanted, so it wasn't hard. He says, how much is it going to cost? And I told him what it was, and I don't remember at that time. He says, okay, how much to finish it? Well, if you've done much finish work, you understand there's more work in finishing than there is to building. So I told him it was going to cost twice that. Well, a lot of people don't realize that. They think, oh, you just squirt a little stain on it and you're done, but not if you want it to look good. Well, he was playing his, his card, which was he wasn't going to pay that much, and so he was just going to leave. And I had no choice but to let him because I knew that I couldn't do it for any less than that. But a thought came to my mind that we could use a different type of material. There's a material that looks like it's pre-finished. It's called melamine. We could get a color that he liked. He told me what he thought he would like. So I got on the phone and I called my supplier and I asked him what they had. <clears throat> he says, yeah, we have, we have discontinued that color and we have this many pieces left, which was how much I needed. And, um, and it was a better deal. So I told him, and he said, good, do it. When I called my supplier back, they didn't have that anymore. And I was just sunk. I didn't know what to do. Well, a few minutes later, their boss called me and said, Rodney, I don't know what they were thinking. We do have that material. One thing that the reason they said they didn't have it is because they were looking at typically a sheet will come four foot by eight foot. He says, the reason they didn't think we had it is because this is not four by eight. This is five by eight. So now I had more material. So there was material they didn't have to buy. And so I had all this better deal stuff. So now I actually came out making more than twice what I would have made. God knew before I. Oh, I've messed up here. <laughs> Forgive me, I've touched something that I shouldn't have. He goes on to say, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We're living in a time that is full of anger and selfishness, completely devoid of forgiveness. It's a reflection of the end time. The Bible says to be perfect like our Father in heaven is perfect. 
And often that statement is misconstrued as saying that we are to be sinless, which is a goal that we should have. But the Bible also says that we are all sinners, and if we say we're not, we're lying. So then what perfection is the Bible talking about? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the one thing that we can all do. It may be hard, but we can do it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The first part of this phrase can be somewhat troublesome. It might cause a person to believe that God causes us to fail. Let's look at it again. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Hmm. Do you remember what happened after Jesus was baptized? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Mark chapter 1, verse 13 puts it into perspective. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. The question is, was Jesus alone? No, not for a minute. The Bible also tells us that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our faith. Does that sound like we're left alone? No. If you look at the Strong's Concordance, it defines the word tempted as tested. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Sometimes God takes us through temptations so we will see where we are spiritually. Did you know that? So when you're suffering from temptation, recognize that God is with you. And he's not showing it to you so you will do it. He's showing it to you so you will understand that you're not close enough to him. Is it possible to avoid temptation? It goes on to say, but deliver us from evil, Matthew 26, 40 and 41. And he came unto the disciples and found them asleep and said unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. <clears throat> how serious, how seriously do you take your spiritual experience? You know, that's the biggest battle we all fight, regardless of who you are. Does it make any difference? Pre preachers, pastors, they all suffer from it. We get so caught up in life and the things that are going on that sometimes we forget that as important as these other things seem to be, they're not nearly as important as our relationship with God should be. Can you say that my faith is so strong that you don't need to lead me to temptation? James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The prayer is concluded with a proclamation that guarantees success, not just in our prayer life, but in all things. The prayer concludes by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God is in control. No matter what you think, no matter what's going on, God is in control. I was working in the shop one day and I was cleaning up a paint gun. <clears throat> and, and it was kind of a unique piece of equipment that was very costly. And it's not something that you find just anywhere. And while I was cleaning up this paint gun, I was trying to be very careful, but I wasn't careful enough. And there's a little bitty tiny, tiny check ball. It's just a little bit smaller than a BB that fell out of it. And it hit the floor, and I heard it hit, and I heard it bounce. And because of what it was, I'm, my ears are pinned, and I'm trying, okay, where did it go? Well, it went that way. Well, that way, there's more junk than you can imagine. And I looked, and I looked, and I couldn't find it. And I'm thinking, Lord, that makes this piece of equipment useless. And while I don't use it that much, I can't have it useless. I have got to find that check ball. And I looked and I looked and I didn't find it. Well, the next morning, I was discouraged, so I went back down to the shop and I raised the door up and I sat down in the very same place and I'm looking, thinking, trying to track where this little bitty tiny ball went. Nothing. And about the sun, that time, the sun came out, and it hit that little ball, and, and it just exploded with light, and it wasn't over there, it was over there. <laughs> and it rolled underneath of a little cart, and I saw exactly a little bitty tiny thing. My, my shop faces the south, so it had to wait until, that was at night before, we had to wait until the sun could hit it. Hmm. God shares our concerns. He asks that we share his concerns. He is interested in things like cassette tapes and little bitty tiny check balls, if they're your concern. But he wants to share with you the things that he can do so that you will share with others the things that he did for you. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. There's that word perfect again. If you study that word in the Strong's, it might be better defined as complete towards him complete your desire is for god always is there a time that god doesn't listen to our prayers well i'm going to tell you no there's not a time that god doesn't listen to your prayers there a time that god doesn't answer your prayer no ma'am god always answers prayers now he may say not yet <laughs> 
took me a long time to figure that out. God, you did this, but you won't do that. Well, then it occurred to me that in order for God to do that, he's going to change, have to change the minds of people. And we already know that God does not force himself on people. So maybe we're asking the wrong question or we're expecting the wrong, it to be answered the wrong way. Maybe we need to look for a different pathway. God is incredible. You know what makes God angry? When you talk at him and not to him. This lady's shaking her head. You don't talk at her, do you? We do that as men, don't we? We talk at our wives. We don't talk to them. God doesn't want you to talk at him. He wants you to talk to him. God is incredible. He doesn't care what you say to him. Did you know that? We do all this, oh, wonderful stuff. Thank you, God. But did you know you can tell God you hate him? Did you know that? Let me tell you a secret. If you honestly, if you truly feel that way and you tell God, I hate you, you're going to get an answer. And all I can tell you is you better be prepared for it because you're going to get an explanation. If, if you truly hate God and you have truly expressed yourself to him, he's going to give you a real answer. There's nothing that he will not answer. Something else that makes God angry is when we misrepresent him. When we try to, what's the first commandment? No other gods before me. He doesn't want you to have things in front of him. He doesn't want you to misrepresent the things that he can do and will do for you. And if you want to understand how, how, how God can step back, be that way. And you'll feel alone real quick. But if you're a person who's struggling, maybe you're struggling with something in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing. But you want to be a Christian. You want to be somebody who's part of God's plan. But there's just one thing that you just, I can't get through this. You know what you do? You go to God and you say, God, I can't get through this. Help me to get through this. I don't care what it, make me not like it. Make me want something more. That's how you get through it. God is incredible. I have to share one more thing with you. This is for you men out there. When is it that God won't listen to you? This is for men only. Those of you who have wives here, I can assure you she will print this off and put it on the refrigerator. Maybe on the headboard of the bed. Maybe on the bathroom mirror. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together with the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Ouch! But I have to say, after I read that, I started making a better effort, not just with my wife, but with my kids. And I'm not going to lie, it, it, it seemed to make a difference in my prayer life. What's hindering you today? Is there anything? 
I'm not going to lie, I always have hindrances. The devil can throw more things at me than I can even dream up. If it's not work, it's relationship, it's money, it's vehicles breaking down. It's just, the devil, he is not without a full arsenal. But the greatest weapon that you have is prayer. It is a trigger, it is a mechanism that when you pull it, the devil will flee from you. Take opportunity. If you don't know how to pray, it doesn't matter. Say, God, I want to know you. God, I want to have a better relationship with you. God, I want to do what you want me to do. That's three simple prayers, wasn't it? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for a beautiful day that we can come and worship you. We thank you for your word that gives us proof of who you are and where you are and your willingness to reach out to us. I pray, Lord, that we won't allow things to interfere with our relationship. I do. I don't want that. I'm sorry for allowing those things to happen. Take our lives, Lord. Help us to recognize that you are the only source of salvation that will take place on this earth. And it is only through our relationship with you that that can happen. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen.